Hello and welcome everybody to the Legends of Tabletop podcast. Hey John, how's it going? Pleasure good, to have you. Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having I, I me. Feel, I feel like we should have did this a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and three Necronomicons in. I'm sure we've we've crossed paths a dozen times already. Oh yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was your Necronomicon this year? You did at least two panels, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a whirlwind. It was great. Um, uh, had a fantastic time. Um, uh, both uh, Necronomicons uh, have been fantastic. Uh, I, I my first was in 2017, and then uh, this one most recently, and. Uh, um, uh, I had less time this time, you know, it, it really, it was, <clears throat> it was a crunch to try to, to fit it in, um, uh, with everything else that was going on and is going on in my life. Um, but, uh, you know, I hit the ground running from the time I got in to the time that I left. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, we've got a really remarkable, a really remarkable, uh audience and crowd of of uh, uh of weird fiction aficionados um and uh writers artists uh, of course uh wonderful readers and uh uh yeah it's so it's it's kind of like it feels it always feels a little like uh surprising uh how many people uh um seem like close friends almost immediately mm -hmm. absolutely I, I've, I've said on the show before it's you know it's a convention but it, it almost feels more like a family reunion when you get there because like everybody's there you know and like you say there's that yeah, instant connection because we're all bonding over the same kind of weird stuff yeah and, yeah and yeah it's, it's just a lot of fun it is it is and uh, you know, just uh, speaking of, of conventions, just last week I um, was the the keynote speaker um, at a convention in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the PioneerCon, a small uh, convention, but that was really that was really nice, and uh, um, and uh, a, a great time. Yeah. Is that and also? I enjoy it. Yeah. Is that also like a literary style convention or what, what's the focus for that? Yeah. One? The focus really for pioneer con is, uh, sci-fi fantasy and horror. So, um, you know, and, and it's, and it's put on by uh, community college, Jeff state. They started it a few years ago and it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And, and, and of course I, I grew up, in Alabama. I grew up in Mobile um, and I went to undergrad uh, in Birmingham. So I know the area very well. And uh, my writing is very influenced by place. And that whole state is, you know, as I said to them, you know, the, the magic and horror of Alabama. I mean, it's, it runs deep, um, yeah. positively and negatively. Right, um, right. Uh, but but we just got back from that a few days ago. Cool. Do you do a lot of cons during the year or no? You know, really, <laughs> it, it's funny. I never went to a convention until uh, Necronomicon 2017. Oh that wow! Was, that, that was the my my first. Uh, so technically, Pioneer Con is the third time I've gone to a convention. Um, again, it was kind of it was kind of hit the ground running in 2017. Uh, I, I just recently had had my collection come out, and uh, and I was on a couple of panels, um, including one big Legati panel. Uh, which was specifically related to Thomas Ligotti and his work uh, in in 2017, and uh, I remember that was a that, it wasn't what I expected. Um, I 
you know, other than I think the very last uh, panel, uh, the kind of say goodbye panel for Necronomicon 2017, it it was the most packed panel that that I saw uh, the the entire convention long. We were we were on the uh, 18th floor um, uh, ballroom, um, and uh, it was packed. I mean, so it was kind of amazing to 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 see, uh, you know, an audience full of of readers and writers um, invested in and interested in, at the very least, uh, Ligotti's work. I never could have imagined something like that uh, in 20, 30 years before. Right. So things things have come a long way. That's very cool. Very cool. It, it, both years at Necronomicon, because you do um, Grim, uh, Grim Scribe Press, is, is it kind of a working thing for you? Or, you know, trying to make connections, you know, pitch for stories, like all that kind of stuff while you're there? Or is it more of a... I guess it's not, it's not really laid back, right? Cause we're running all over the place, no matter what, but. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's funny because Necronomicon, it seems like it's, it, it's all about, it is all about connections, um, but not in a, not in a, a, a crass uh, commercial way. Not um, like Gen Con. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I, I didn't, neither time that I was there did I feel pressured to uh, uh, meet the right people or 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 make the right connections in order to to further my own career um, uh, I, I I felt like there were moments of of real connection um, between myself and and uh, people I would talk to um you know in the vendors room or or uh before and after other panels um and uh as a as a panelist um between the the other panelists and um uh the the audience members um also you know it's fantastic meeting other writers uh of of weird fiction right you know um in, in 2017, um, Matthew and Bartlett and I met face to face in person for the first time, and you know we just immediately clicked. And and uh, you know an hour or two of us talking in the lobby of the Biltmore just went by like that. Um, and uh, it's hard to describe um, how instantaneously. Uh, um, those deep kind of, of, of connections can, can be made. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's a, to me, the, the greatest thing about uh, uh, both Necronomicons was how, uh, how inspiring it was to meet and talk to uh, other people interested in the same kind of things that I'm interested in, um, invested in, in uh, um, their own work, um, some in my work, uh, and some mutually in work that, that we both admire. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. <laughs> it really is. And uh, um, I only wish that I had started going uh, to it many years before. Yeah, I, I missed 13 uh, with stuff going on at home. And then I went in 15 and I've been been every year since. And it's the one thing I know when it's that's coming up for that year, like that's my trip for the year. Yeah, yeah. I don't go anywhere else. I'm going to do that. Yeah, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it this time because of um, time concerns with work and 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 uh, you know economically, um, but ultimately, I just I, I I just had to make it happen. Uh, the The pressure was too intense, <laughs> and 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 when I was and when I was offered uh, being on those two panels and moderating the 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 panel on the uncanny and 
dummies, dolls, and the like. I mean, I just I couldn't turn it down. Right. I had to go. <laughs> I had to make it happen. <laughs> and it was cool this year. Last year we missed out a lot of the guys from um, you know the gaming side weren't able to make it out because they were against Gen Con, so everybody was out that way because that's you know that's the money con. That's where they're right. you know doing right. all their business and stuff. So it was great to have them back again this year. Yeah, um, and be able to get to hang out. We're we're gonna have to get you out drinking with us next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as big of a drinker as I used to be. Ah, that's all right. <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be great. That would be a lot. Yeah, of fun. Definitely. I, the Indark. So I was able to record the Indarkenman panel, and I man, that room was packed for that. I, and I guess I shouldn't yeah. be surprised, right? Because it plays to the to the crowd and you know sort of the mindset of the weird fiction and all. But, you know, at one point I looked around, there's people on the floor, there's people standing, they were yeah. hanging out the doors it's like, holy crap. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And and uh, and it was just it was so strange talking about that subject, which, you know, among most, you know, normal people <laughs> uh, talking about nihilism as salvation in any sense, literary or otherwise, would be uh, taboo. And and so and I realized sometime during that panel how difficult, well, one, saying things that I'd never said out loud before and thoughts that I had had that I, that that um, I had only thought about uh, and never spoken aloud. And um, it it. it it just it struck me really, really uh, deeply how how difficult the top topic is, but also how kind of cathartic it was to to discuss, you mm. know, without without fear of being or without much fear of being misunderstood or considered, you know, nihilism is the the word itself. I mean what it conjures is so deeply negative and uh, pejoratively. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, when we think about nihilists, we think about people who who don't care about anything, you know, lawless right. anarchy, anarchy and um, uh, uh, complete obliviousness to uh, the feelings of others and that is that is a type of nihilism for sure, uh, right. but it's not the it's not the only type. And there is there is the nihilism that comes and goes as well, uh, and that is deeply connected to mental illness, uh, um, severe depression, and and the the flip side of that uh, severe anxiety. Um, and so I think all of these things are are things that that the panelists and uh, many of the audience members most likely uh, had some kind of, of uh, basis and experience. Mm -hmm. There were definitely good uh, questions and uh, feedback from the audience as well during the panel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all sort of live with this existential dread, you know, pressures from society and from work and, you know, all these different things. So like, uh, you know, on some level, I think every, it hits everybody and maybe not consciously. It's just like, Oh, I got to, you know, go to work. But if you, you know, kind of deep delve into it, it's not the conversation you want to have with, you know, your cube mate <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, being able to do that at the panel, I can see being a real visceral, uh, you know, thing, especially being a, a you know, panelist, everybody looking up to you to like explain, like, well, what do you mean this liberation that, you know, right. this nothingness? Like, what are you talking about? Right. It's right. really eye opening. It was a really, really enjoyable panel. Yeah. Well, good, good. I'm glad. I, you know, I, I you know, I feel like um, uh, I was glad that I was able to, to be a panelist. Uh, um, to kind of, if nothing else, then to kind of express how it felt um, as, you know, a kid in college uh, years and years ago uh, to first pick up Thomas Ligotti's Songs of a Dead Dreamer and recognize what was on the page <laughs> uh, and, and feel... Uh, uh, this 
strange, ineffable kinship with the 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 mind on the other side of those words, uh, and the and the kind of paradoxical comfort of that. Uh, uh, it it was uh, yeah. I'm 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 really glad, and you know, Bracken McLeod did a fantastic uh, job of moderating. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it that was the first panel I was on of the day. And then the second panel was, was the panel that I moderated. And, you know, I, I really tried to, uh, emulate his, his, uh, kind of command of, of, uh, the room and, and, uh, um, the facilitation, uh, just, uh, seemingly effortless on his part. Uh, of going from question to question. I mean, he really balanced things beautifully. And I think all of the panelists just were were fantastic. Yeah, everybody had good personal stories to relate or, you know, involved with the with the subject matter. You know, nobody dropped the ball. Like it was it was totally on point. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it felt like the audience was very much, you know, a part of the panel as well uh and um you know very uh, i mean it was rather surprising to me given the subject i was i was thinking at times boy you know we're gonna we're gonna start losing some people um (laughs) and and, uh you know i was expecting like not mass walkouts but i wouldn't have been surprised if a quarter of the audience had had walked out at certain points um, and that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. And it was early. It was well. It was relatively early. I think it was like a ten or a ten thirty panel. So yeah. it was it was a fairly was. early commitment. It was. Yeah, yeah. For 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 that convention, especially, you know, it's it's really difficult to go to sleep uh, before one o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, or, or or later, which you you know back in the old days wouldn't have been that big of a deal but for us pushing 50 now and and beyond it's it's not it's not the same just not the same as it used to be it it was rough i i was so looking forward to going Mm -hmm. and on the other other side i was like man i'm gonna be so tired and so over yeah 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 uh-huh. i'm used to going to bed at a certain time i get up at a certain time <laughs> yeah it was it was really strange because you know i had um i flew in that friday and uh and i got in in the evening around five or six i think and drove straight to uh the the convention uh, went to the new weird panel, uh, straight to it, and then straight after that, uh, went to a, a, a room party in, in Matt Bartlett's room, um, where he and I uh, read one of our collaborative stories that's coming out next month. Cool. Um, uh, the the fielding the Latham fielding liaison. I almost said fielding liaison, <laughs> um, but. Uh, um, and then of course, you know, that, that story took probably an hour or more to read. So, um, uh, we were fortunate that, that the audience was patient enough to sit through the whole thing, um, that quietly, you know, with, with, uh, a room full of, you know, people wanting to, to drink and talk and, right, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that was that was tiring in and of itself, uh, but then the next day it was a panel uh, in the morning, straight into a, another reading, um, then straight into another panel, uh, and then that evening I I read again <laughs> I read uh, a Matt Carden's story uh, from his new collection, which is amazing. Um, uh, to rouse Leviathan. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that, that was a, that was a full time and that doesn't, you know, that, uh, that doesn't include dinners, lunches, 
stuff like that and all of the yeah. the the side um um conversations uh and that that seem to be such an important part of these things mm -hmm. um uh the next day was uh uh you know relatively easy signing and and uh uh and that may have been actually the that sunday may have been my favorite time because it i i i did have time to you know really talk at length with with uh friends and acquaintances uh that i'd wanted to talk to for a long time um it never seems like there's enough of that you know yeah yeah well you definitely have to make choices while you're there like i don't do any gaming there ever mm. um just because it eats up so much time sure and you know i i, I try to record panels because that's kind of work and you know, we'll have, not everybody can get to everything, so maybe I can grab something that, you know, people are interested in. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah, the, the whole rest of the time, it's just, it's the people. Like, it's just hanging out. It's just, you know, having that contact. Even as an introvert, like, everybody's there. You know, there's people from the UK. There's people from, you know, all over the States. There's people from Canada. Like, we're all together. Like, you got to get it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and as a fellow introvert, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> It, it's a little overload at times, yes. but like yes. you, you're just you're in with both feet, and you just try to recover when you get back. Yeah, yeah, you know it's it, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that though about being an introvert. Um, uh, one of the big differences between most social occasions beyond people I know very well um, and um, and the Necronomicon is that it's a lot easier <laughs> than yeah. usual. You know, I mean, uh, I, I've I've lived my life mostly um, being the guy who, if it's if, if if it's a party full of mostly strangers, then I'm going to fade into the the background mm. uh, and stick to a couch somewhere and maybe talk to one or two people. Right. Um, but, uh, at the Necronomicon, it's just person after person connection after connection. There's, there's too, there's too much, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a joy. It really is. Well, you know, you have that commonality to start, right? Like I said earlier, we're all coming together for the same thing. So it, it, it sort of facilitates that, or, you know, maybe, you know, someone in passing, but you've never met before or whatever. That's, right. you know, when we started the podcast, I used to dread coming on and doing interviews. Cause I was like, I don't know how to talk. Like this was stupid. <laughs> Whose idea was this is the dumbest right, thing right, in the world. Right. But then, you know, you do it for a little bit and you kind of get habituated and you could have, you know, sort of break that down. And it's like, Oh wait, well, like we have a thing in common, either weird fiction or gaming or, you know, tabletop stuff or whatever, like you instantly have some connection already anyway. And Absolutely. it just kind of slide right in and yep. Yep. do the thing. So, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and for me, you know, uh, funnily enough, I've, I've got a theater background, you know, I started, I started acting when I was six years old and wow. continued doing it for a very long time. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh into my adulthood um and uh so i guess in a way it makes it ma it it makes um uh things like being on a panel uh or or even getting interviewed easier um just because walking on a stage uh full of people <laughs> and performing at, you know it's it 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 never it never is not terrifying at some point right <laughs> oh, it kind of inured me um uh to to uh public speaking of sort <laughs> right right so let's circle back around yeah. how did you first get involved what was sort of your introduction into weird fiction how, how did you get sucked into this yeah well <clears throat> i can't uh um, I can't talk about this subject without uh, mentioning uh, my older brother, uh, who um, who spent 
uh, an enormous amount of time uh, uh, trying to scare me uh, <laughs> when we were kids uh, and, and and was incredibly imaginative. Uh, in fact, sometimes I think, you know, uh, he's a businessman, but he could easily have a career um, as, as a horror writer because... Uh, <laughs> Boy, he he would really improvise some some uh, scary stories every night before bed, um, and of course he knew that I was scared of dolls. And I, mm. I've talked about my my childhood fear of dolls at, at great length. Um, but uh, long story short, uh, you remember the the night gallery, um, uh, Rod Serling, and mm. uh, there's an episode called the doll. Uh, which is an adaptation of an Algernon Blackwood story. And I saw uh, that episode when I was four years old. Oof. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, up late at night, as I shouldn't have been. And uh, that'll teach you. <laughs> yeah, it really did. And uh, it it scared me so badly. I, I had nightmares about this thing uh, almost every night. Um mm. And I mean, combined with night terrors, you know, paralysis. I mean, it, it was it was it was really really horrible. So, you know, while I was I, I I was going through this almost every night, my brother was you know telling me these horrible uh, improvised stories about the you know disembodied hand under my bed, um, <laughs> the the. Uh, you know, and I, I actually one of my stories uh, is is somewhat autobiographical um, uh, about two brothers. But, uh, you know, he he uh, had me convinced that my parents had had another child before right before I was born who died um, uh, young and um, who they didn't talk about named Sam and that Sam was talking to my my brother told me that sam was talking to him every every day and telling him to kill me oh, so that so that he could take over my disembodied my, my, you know, my vacated corpse and uh animate it um so that that was for longest time that was that was my chief terror so once i got to be about eight or nine i i I um I don't remember I don't remember how but uh I came upon a a copy in our house of um Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Mystery and the Imagination and uh and, and then I was you know I was set off um on on my my course <laughs> um right. And yeah, uh, and you know, at the same time, I I, I started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons like when I was, you know, very young, like seven years old back in '77, and 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 I and I played role playing games um, uh, for for many years after that, and uh, um, uh, so that kind of that i mean i remember i remember obsessing over uh the monster manual the the 1979 you know second edition monster manual and and uh um and and i was i was obsessed with um uh the section on on the underworld and and the devils the different types of devils and demons and uh um which I'm sure, if I had told anyone at the time, they would have uh, uh, not been surprised <laughs> that everybody was talking about Satanism and and the like um, back then uh, with D and D. But uh, I, that that really that that game really nurtured kind of um, my affection for and. Uh, to a certain extent, affinity with monsters, um, uh, and after that, of course, at some point um, in my early teen years, uh, I started reading uh, Stephen King. I was I was very into Michael Moorcock, uh, 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 the Elric 
um, in all of the uh, quorum, all, all of the eternal champion stuff, hot moon. Um, and, uh, uh, from, and from there, uh, I guess when I was about 15, I fell upon, uh, the work of HP Lovecraft. And, uh, and that really, that really, uh, um, made a huge impact on me uh at the time um i i had always tried to write um even even as a little kid um i remember i but but all of my efforts were were really abortive efforts um uh i, I never really finished anything um other than terrible po poetry um and then by the time I was about 20, 21 years old, um, no, I was definitely 19 or 20. Uh, that's when I, I came upon uh, Ligotti's Songs of a Dead Dreamer. And once I read that, I knew that I wanted to write. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to write like that. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, and I, 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 I slowly started trying and wrote my first story, um, which was called Eyes of the Master. And uh, uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. You know, I thought it was the, uh, the masterpiece of the late 20th century. And uh, uh, my, uh, I, <laughs> Slowly, um, uh, thanks first to my then girlfriend, now spouse, uh, Carolyn, um, I slowly began to realize that maybe, not only maybe wasn't it the masterpiece of the late 20th century, but it was in fact lousy. And, uh, um, I mean, not that she told me that in so many words, but it, it, it started becoming clear and uh uh and, and i really stuck to that story for for a couple of years i sent it out extensively i got a i got a rejection letter i think from for some reason i was sending it out to to regular literary magazines and uh i, I got i remember i got a a, a rejection letter um from the editor of Gulf Coast saying that the first paragraph of my story was the worst, most overwritten paragraph he had ever read. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I was getting, I was getting little indications. And then, uh, and then later on, this is the story that I, that, that would drive me crazy for the next almost 20 years. Um, that would eventually become 20 simple steps to ventriloquism mm -hmm. um and that uh you know i i uh, um i learned how to write um writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting um uh so yeah it was many years it was very strange you know back in uh, I guess it was 2013 when the thing first became published uh, in the Grimscribe's Puppets. Um, it was very strange ha having something out there uh, for so many years. Only a handful of people had, had even seen anything that I had written. Um, and, and, uh, and mostly that was in process right, right. and at various stages of not good um but uh yeah so it it happened really fast after that um most mostly uh i i spent the past 25 years trying to you know one of my major as as strange as this sounds one of my one of my major the major goals of my adult life has been to um promote the work of of Thomas Ligotti because when when I first became familiar with his work and was utterly blown away by it instantly my favorite uh writer ever alive or dead um 
back then I, I didn't I didn't know anybody who had read his work. And even when I even when the internet became a thing and I got online, even then it was finding people who had actually read his work, they were few and far between. So um, you know, that's that's where the whole idea of Thomas Ligotti online, uh, the website, came about. And, and now it's 21, 22 years old. Uh, so, um, which in internet time is forever ages. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and I'm, I'm it, it's, it's very gratifying to, to see that, that how, how far um, his work has come in terms of being read by a wider audience. Um, because, you know, Tom always said, I'm, I'm only ever going to be read by a small audience. And, you know, to some extent, that's, that's still true. But I mean, when you've got a, when you're one of 10 living authors who's been published by Penguin Classics um, in, in, you know, a big, lush, mega, uh, uh, mass market, um, uh, book, then, you know, <laughs> somebody's paying attention. Right. Right. And, uh, uh, so that's what I'm really, that's what I'm really most proud of. I think, um, is, is helping his, helping his work get out there. Uh, and, and everything that's happened with my work has just been kind of a side effect. Right, right. Uh, of 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 that initial desire of 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 seeing a, a Ligotti story and wanting to and and saying to myself, I want to be able to express these deep, weird, hidden things um, in a powerful way. Um, and uh, and you know, when I started, it was it was just it was garbage, but it was. It was Ligotti pastiche, basically, right. <laughs> a combination of uh, Ligotti and Poe. Um, and now, you know, after all this time as a writer, I feel like I've I've got a long way to go. Um, but I I have found my voice, um, and it's it's it is what it is. You know, it's not it, uh, but but it's mine. Right, right. Your interpretation of yeah. I mean, because we draw these influences from all over. So it, right. it, it's, you know, through the medium of you or whoever's doing the writing or the acting or the, you know, shooting, a, you know, directing a movie, you know, you can see all those different things and kind of how they coalesce and are expanded back out again, you know, th through our own interpretations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When when did you so when did did Tom begin to like take take notice of what you were doing like when when did your relationship start to develop then? Yeah, so so I was I was very fortunate um, when uh, in about I was in my mid twenties um, when I moved to New York City, and I I moved to New York City to be with my then girlfriend, uh, now spouse. Um, and, uh, I got a job at a corporate law firm, uh, in Manhattan in, in on the 23rd floor of, uh, 30 rock. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, it didn't pay much. It was in the law library. Uh, I had some library experience and, uh, uh, I was, you know, from Alabama and naive and, and, uh, um, and I made the mistake of answering their question when they asked me how much I would work for. Uh, and, and, you know, when I told them they immediately hired me. Um, but the good thing about that job was that it was very low demand. And that's when I, uh, started. Well, first I, I began to uh, become aware of, you know, I went searching for other Ligotti readers. So uh, I, I uh, got on the Usenet for the first time. Hmm. This was probably 97. And um, uh, and I started talking about 
uh, um, Thomas Ligotti. And uh, there were some people on the on the news on the alt horror Cthulhu news group who had read him, and there were some on the alt books uh, ghost stories <laughs> uh, group who had read him, um, and I was very enthusiastic uh, and energetic uh, back then, and uh, and I floated the idea to those groups of uh, creating a, a, a news group. Um, all about Thomas Ligotti and everybody, everybody I talked to said, that's a bad idea. You know, it's not, uh, nobody's going to be on it. Um, he's, he's like a very small, tiny niche writer. Um, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of, of storage space. Don't do it. Well, I did it anyway. <laughs> and, um, the, the, the one other person who, uh, supported me was a guy that I met, um, I think on Alt Horror Cthulhu by the name of Matt Carden. And, uh, and he also, uh, he had, he had only read at the time, he had only read one, uh, collection by Ligotti, uh, Grimscribe. Um, but he loved it. And, and this guy, you know, Matt has a huge brain, um, uh, which I, I realized almost immediately as we would have conversations and, uh, and, uh, in these conversations, he, we, you know, some of these threads, I mean, for the longest time, once I created the alt books, Thomas Ligotti, it was just me and Matt talking about <laughs> Ligotti's work on and on, right. you know, and I would write a little something and, uh, feeling pretty good about myself. I had just gotten a master's degree in English literature. And then, and then he would come back with this, you know, almost immediately with this, you know, 2,500 word essay. Uh, I mean, just concocted out of nowhere, just brilliant insights. Um, so we went back and forth with that for a while. And then, um, and we actually did start getting uh, uh, Ligotti readers for a while there. But I realized that what I really wanted to do was create a website. So that's when I, I, I went, I remember I went to a William Faulkner uh, website and I didn't know anything about creating a website or HTML. And I just right. kind of taught myself you uh, like kind of stealing the code of that and changing it around. And uh, um, uh, I got some web space uh, from a friend and uh, and then put it up. And somewhere in, in there and in doing all of this and being very enthusiastic about it and spending way too much time, I'm sure, um, <laughs> at work doing it, uh, I... I realized for the first time that um, that Ligotti worked at the time uh, at a company called uh, the Gale Group. At least uh, at, at the time, I think it was just Gale, and um, and, and so I did some some research. And, and mind you, all this time I was also doing tons of research for this corporate law firm who I think, I think they were representing RJ Reynolds at the time. <laughs> I was trying, I was, I was doing research for these, these attorneys who were trying to find these, you know, quack studies on like, well, cigarettes really aren't all that bad for you. So I was feeling pretty crappy about myself uh, uh, <laughs> in, in my day job. And, and I didn't begrudge, you know, uh using their their time for right. for, for uh something that was much less uh horrible um so i guessed ligotti's email address and i sent him a long email not expecting anything except maybe a you know please do not write me again <laughs> <laughs> how did you get um, this <laughs> but instead uh after probably about an hour, I received a very gracious, uh, kind and funny message back from him. And it turns out that he had been watching my efforts online the whole time. Uh, oh, wow. 
in the news group as I was like singing his praises and you know and so uh, we started we started corresponding by email uh, um, you know exchanged some letters started talking on the phone some and uh, and becoming friends and uh, and somewhere down the line I got up the courage to send him uh, the story that I, that I was already starting to realize was bad and uh and he was he was polite about it but i knew you know that he wasn't impressed mm -hmm. and at some point i told him you know i really want this to be good so take the kids gloves off you know just give it to me <laughs> and and he did and and as as great a guy as tom is he um he's he's very serious about the craft and i mean because the guy you know spent decades you know honing his craft um and, and doing incredible uh research and and throwing away everything that he wrote practically uh for the longest time in the 70s um and early 80s and uh so so he he told me in no uncertain terms, you know, you, you don't know how to write yet. You know, you're, you're not, you're not ready. This is, this is what works. These, you know, couple of lines and, you know, this other stuff's just not, not very good. Um, and, and, and here's why. And, uh, so this, this continued for years and, uh, um, uh, and obviously, I mean, I'm eternally grateful to him for for being so uh patient um when practically anybody else in his position would have been like look you know move on to somebody else <laughs> right <laughs> I, I've, I've had enough of this um but uh you know um slowly very slowly because i mean i i would i would think okay this time i'm done with it i'm not very good at this um so I'm just going to set it aside. Um, then some months would pass and I would come up with an idea and I would go for it again and, you know, kind of push it his way at some point and get his, his feedback. And slowly um, uh, I got to where I needed to get in terms of what the story was about. And, uh, and then was the hard part of actually learning how to write a decent story right. of any kind and uh um so that's that's that was my trajectory you know my i've i've said this many times before but my one goal was to was to write one decent story and then after that i'd be fine you know i i always right. i my my dream was always to write this one really good story and and get it published by by uh weird fiction you know which by the time i got finished with it was having its own issues um and and really by then uh i had an opportunity to um uh to publish it um possibly um in a legati themed anthology which is exactly uh what i did nice yeah so the rest was then i realized that there was a lot more uh that i wanted to to write um uh partially because i had i had to cut so much of that story you know at its height when it was ready and when tom said you know this looks ready now it was around 14 15,000 words yeah I had to get it down below 5,000 words Oof. Uh, to fit in the, in the anthology. Right, uh, right. I got it down to 4,500 words. I literally cut all of the characters and stripped out the plot. And, <laughs> and then I realized this is, this is right. This is, this is it. This is right. Uh, but I still had that story, you know, that I wanted to, to, to write. And, uh, so I, I kind of uh, started writing a, a sort of sequel to this story that wasn't even 
in existence anymore. And uh, then more stories started popping up, you know, all existing in this same little place, um, which I realized at some point was kind of a dreamscape version, mostly of the town that I grew up in, Mobile, hmm. Alabama. Okay. Interesting. And is that the first collection? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Secret of Imperialism. Okay. Yeah. And they're all um, tied together. Is it loosely tied together? Are they all kind of. Yeah. They're, they, they, they are the, as, as it goes along, the, the connection between them gets stronger, uh, but it is, but it is uh, uh, loose. Um, there's really, there are really only, what mm, you could arguably say that there are, are four stories that, that have some characters in common, um, with each other, but in some cases that's very peripheral. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it's a bit of a, I, I didn't set out to do this, but it's a bit of a hybrid novel, um, <laughs> Uh, which is not my description, but uh, other others' description. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Uh, and it's and it's weird, right? Because sometimes you'll you'll start with an idea and you have a story in mind, and you know you'll write it and realize it's not really the story that you were trying to tell. Yeah, you go back and go through the editing. And go, okay, well, this is not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it. I, I I'm really grateful because. Um, that whole process of of uh, you know writing the book and, and then working with the, the uh, small uh, publisher uh, Dunham's Manor Press and Jordan Crawl, the editor, um, in in putting that book together, uh, and he was so patient. I mean, just draft after draft after draft. You know, I was I was I was so uh, I was so anal about this thing. Uh, just being just right. And of course, uh, it ended up having, a, you know, a few uh, typos anyway. And um, mm -hmm. these things happen. But, uh, um, you know, he even let me uh, uh, slip in a, 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 a story um, after the, the, the advanced reading copies were printed, um, because I realized I, I wrote a story all at once. It was amazing. You know, it took me 20 years for one. And then I, <laughs> I, I wrote one in like two days and, uh, and, and, and it was the end of the book and I knew it. Um, but anyway, this whole process, you know, and, and then after, you know, the, for, for a little, for a little weird fiction collection by, by a small press, it, it did very well. And, uh, um, and, um, but by the end of that year, after it came out, I was just, I was so sick of, of, of myself <laughs> and, and of all of the promotion and all about me, you know, me, my, yeah, book, yeah. my book, my book. And, uh, um, and so at the same time that this was happening, uh, Matt Carden and, and a few other folks and I had been planning uh, a literary magazine with kind of a focus on Ligottian work, um, both fiction, essays, poetry, um, art, um, uh, really with a special concentration at the time on nonfiction. And uh, uh, we had written bylaws and really, you know, set, set, sent out um, um, calls for submission had gotten some really incredible work. I mean, just like, and at the time we were paying, we were paying like one cent a minute. I mean, one cent a word. Yeah. And, uh, um, um, and so that turned out to be just a marvelous thing. Um, uh, and, and the magazine is done, uh, very, very well. Uh, we had a, a, a successful Kickstarter, couple of years back and uh which allowed us to really have a good foundation uh wonderful readership um you know it's it's pretty much self uh pays for itself now um and uh 
and people are are it, it's it's it feels good to to promote the work of others <laughs> um and that's something that that i've i've discovered that i really love and i love editing um and and publishing this thing and now of course um the wonderful thing is that uh uh, we're moving into books now, so oh, nice. Um, uh, we're publishing a novella by Nicole Cushing, um, which is a wonderful, met hilarious, and incredibly horrific uh, um, piece uh, called "The Half Freaks," and uh, and she's she's fantastic. Uh, the deluxe edition of that uh, with. Uh, color illustrations by Harry O. Morris. That's coming out um, next week. And then a couple of weeks after that, um, um, the regular editions uh, will be uh, out. And then uh, early next year, we're putting out our first collection uh, by Christopher Slatsky. It's a, it's a book called The Immeasurable Corpse of Nature. And this thing, I mean, it's going to be one of one of the best books of the year um it's i i mean it's extraordinary and and, and christopher's uh um christopher's stuff is just amazing um and he's a he's somebody that not many people know about yet and I, i'm I'm making it my job to to change that. It's already gotten some pretty stellar reviews, um, and that's going to continue, I'm sure. Cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with the name. I did see it on on your Facebook yeah, yeah. promotion there, but yeah, it wasn't not something that rung a bell. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's marvelous. It's marvelous work. It's it's it kind of if you can imagine something that kind of takes takes a a space somewhere between uh, Ligotti's work and Laird Barron's work. Uh, um, so there's there's a very very uh, huge sense of 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 the cosmic, um, as well as uh, a very intimate sense of existential horror. <laughs> it's uh, it's but it's its own thing. It's it's. Uh, it's going to be something else, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to, to run now. Um, ah, okay. Yep. Uh, no worries. But I, I, I really, uh, thank you, John, uh, for having me on. Uh, uh, and, uh, I, I hope that we get a chance to hang out at the next Necronomicon at least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, we'll definitely have to have you come on again. I still have like a page of questions we didn't uh, even get. <laughs> yeah, I, I went on and on, I know. No, it's uh, good. It makes it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, you take care. Thanks a lot. You too, John. It's a pleasure having uh, you on. All right. You, thanks. Bye. Awesome. See ya. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that. I uh, want to remind you that we do have our sponsor, Birds of a Feather Coffee. They're a small batch craft coffee roaster. Uh, you can get the legendary brew. It's a nice medium roast. Uh, there's a link for that on the show notes. You can also uh, purchase the other, um, I was going to say Legends Brews, uh, the other Birds of a Feather Coffee Brews. They have the Night Owl Blend, which is a fantastic dark roast. Uh, they have the Morning Lark and the Hummingbird, one of which is a decaf. I don't remember which. Uh, but if you use the code LEGENDS10, you're going to get 10% off your order, and shipping is always free. I suggest you order two bags at a time because you can fit two, ba two uh, coffee bags in a mailer. It's a little bit cheaper for Neil, but do as you wish. I always order two. I actually just got an order in, and I was almost completely out. So I'm super stoked to have some coffee in again. Uh, I want to thank everybody for checking this out. We appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens, leaves reviews, does all that stuff. A uh, special shout out to Robin Chang. Uh, they've been leaving uh, awesome comments and uh, feedback and stuff on the YouTube videos. Uh, so thank you for that. I totally appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.